Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. We do have a guest on the line. Before we get to her, though, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Marina Sport. Marina Sport's compression clothing to help you perform at your best. I use them both during race, so I wear the Marina Sport compression shorts during a lot of my races, and also post-races recovery. So you, if you have a tighter pair, you can wear them post-races recovery. Like I have a long sleeve top that I often wear, and sometimes I have a, wear the long sleeve or long pants as recovery. But during the race, I like their shorts because they're the only shorts I've worn at World's Toughest Mudder that have caused zero chafing. So for the last two years, that's the shorts I've worn underneath my wetsuit. I don't even take them off when I put on the wetsuit. I just rock them the entire time, all 24 hours. Don't change them. Zero chafing. So highly recommend Marina Sport. I would check them out. They are a little bit pricey, but we do have a discount code on the CTG Protein website. I believe it's a CTG Protein 20. You can find that in the sponsors and discount section. And uh, their stuff is great, and it lasts a long time. All right, joining me on the podcast, I have Miranda Lynn Huber. Miranda, say hi. Hi, Evan. It's good to have you on. Uh, Miranda, a little bit of background about her before we get a little more into some of her racing and big things. She won the 2018 Dallas Savage Race. She She had a D1 scholarship at track and field for pole vault at Delaware State University. Currently, she's an engineer at Lockheed Martin. And works on the F-35 program, which is super cool. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. And uh, it's been absolutely crushing it this year at a lot of mandatory obstacle completion courses. So kind of specializing in Savage Race, especially the Blitz and Conquer the Gauntlet. Let's see here. Conquer the Gauntlet results. She got a third place, second place, a fourth place. Uh, she, you know, she had a third place last year at Conquer the Gauntlet. She had a top three finish at Continuum this year while also getting on the podium which is you're one of three females to do that. It's uh, Amy Padgett, you and Randy Lackey. So you're in very good company there. And <laughs> also uh, came in second in your age group at the 3K NORAM. So Miranda, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Before we get into, I want to go into like how you got into the sport and kind of your life now. But my favorite story about you is in 2018 when you won Savage Dallas, like I'd, you know, I'd met you at a couple of Conquer the Gauntlet, so I knew who you were and you, you'd always done well. You're always finishing like fourth for like, it's for the longest time. I felt like you kept coming in fourth and it was especially rainy day at Savage Dallas and there was a deep field and they just got destroyed by the obstacles because they couldn't hold on to anything. And you came across and won. And I remember listening to another podcast and they're like, yeah, I don't, some, some other girl won. And I was like, I know who that is. It's Miranda. She's, all, she's great at obstacles. Like you should know who that is. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so awesome race, and that was a, that was super exciting to see. And so yeah, it was very surprising because I had never come close to to a big you know big name race like that. Um, so yeah, definitely my biggest accomplish accomplishment so far. Yeah, well, I, I mean, every year you know I didn't I don't think I knew you until the beginning of last year, and you know since I've been following you, you keep getting better. So I'm excited to see what else you have coming down the pipe. So let's back up a little bit, though. Uh, tell us a little bit how you got into OCR and kind of the uh, the pole vaulting, because there seems to be this 
weird crossover between like ninja and pole vaulting, right? Like uh, Jesse Graff's a pole vaulter and uh, I think Maggie Thorne was a pole vaulter. You're not a ninja, but you're very good at obstacles and you probably do well in that show if you applied and got on. But so yeah, take us back to the beginning and pole vaulting, kind of how that led into your current fitness level. Yeah. So I, I grew up around sports. My, um, I was raised by my grandparents. They had me try out for a lot of different things. I tried when I was really young, soccer and softball and gymnastics and kind of a well-rounded background. I even did like figure skating and kind of, um, random stuff that was out there and that was a lot of fun. So in high school, I had a gym teacher that, you know, saw me just running a lot, running fast during gym class. So he recommended I try out for the track and field team. So I went out there and the the coach was very welcoming and he invited me to join the team. And that was really exciting. And at the time they didn't have any girl pole vaulters and he just kind of said, you know, if you'd be willing to do this, I think you'd be good at it. And I think, um, you know, the team can gain points there in, in our track meets just by having a female competitor because not every school has a female pole vaulter. So I tried it out and uh, it just took off from there. My very first pole vault at my very first track meet, I didn't even know you had to like push the pole back, but I cleared it. I pulled the pole over with me and I was like, oh yeah, I got it. But <laughs> that's amazing. If you don't know, you have to yeah push the pull back. You can't knock the bar off. So, um, and it just, it blew up from there. I, I did hurdles as well. And I ended up being a really good pole vaulter in high school. I won a state championship and it got me to the, the college scholarship that I got. So I was able to go to school for that, which was exciting. So Real quick question that may be dumb. Do they, we never had pole vaulters in my, in my high school. Is, is there a progression? Like, do you start out with the full length pole or do they, is it like the high school one shorter? So the poles are more based on weight and they can come in different lengths, but I don't think that I, I think I had the same pole my whole high school uh, career. So okay. yeah, it's, I think if you were progressing to like Olympian or something, you would probably get a longer pole, but generally they're built based on just your body weight so that they don't snap. Gotcha. Okay. Weight on them. Um, Or you can change where you hold it. So I think at the beginning I was holding it, you know, maybe two feet down from the top of it. And as I got better, I started holding it closer and closer to the top. So you can kind of adjust it that way yourself. Yeah, that makes, that makes more sense. Okay. Got it. So I've always had a background in kind of sports, fitness, that kind of stuff. So um, I moved out to Texas after college, got my job at at Lockheed Martin. And one of my friends was interested in doing, you know, some obstacle race. Like, oh, yeah, the Spartan race, you can do three different distances and, and get a trifecta medal. So there were a group of four of us and we all decided together, like, okay, yeah, let's start running together and we'll do that together. It'll be fun. And, um, so I think that was 2015 and that's what we did. We did a sprint, a super and a beast all in the same year, got our trifecta. We did the race all together as a team. We helped each other through obstacles and it was a lot of fun. And from there, I just kind of took it to the next level. I wanted to see what I could do 
because I really was excelling at obstacles. Every time I was out there, it seemed like people around me were so impressed just by finishing an obstacle. And um, it just, it felt like it wasn't challenging me just to run for fun. I was like, okay, I can finish all the obstacles. I need to really push the other side of it, which is the running. So for me, that's been definitely the hardest part. I mean, I went out to Noram this year in Savage Race. I, I, it's hardly ever that I have to even try a second time on any of the obstacles. So running for me is definitely the struggle. <laughs> gotcha. And what year was that first, like, I'm dipping my toe into the obstacle racing world uh, versus the year you started to go try to go competitive? Um, I think it might have been the next year. So 2015, I did my trifecta. And then I think 2016, I think the first half of the year, I still did it like with a friend and we kind of had fun. And then I think towards the end of 2016, I started running some competitive. And then by 2017, I was like, all right, I'm only running competitive. Nice. I think I knew the answer to this. What, like, you have a lot of uh, Savage Race, you have a lot of Conquer the Gauntlet, and you have a Bone Frog in there. Um, kind of what draws you to those series over some other series, per se? Definitely the 100% obstacle completion. Um, I'm really not fast. I'm really not uh, a runner. I mean, I, you know, I did track and field in high school and college, but I was always pole vaulting. So I wasn't running very often. At practice, I was always practicing pole vault, and I worked on speed a little bit, um, but I really never ran, I literally never ran a 5K until I think my second, sophomore year of college, the track coach forced everybody to run cross country, and before that, I had never run, I think even like two miles consecutively was like out of my mind, I thought. Yeah, the obstacle completion is definitely what draws me to those. Um, I'm not fast, so when I compete in a Spartan race, I, I'm really pretty far back in the, in the completion. Gotcha. Now, let's say there's someone like you who's very good at obstacles, or maybe they're a ninja, and they're looking to cross over more into OCR. You know, what advice would you have? What advice would you give to them as kind of a new runner into, you know, OCR, essentially? Um, I think you have to f have fun with it. Um, if you know, I really don't love running, but I have found ways that I do enjoy it. A lot of the times, I, you know, I don't run really fast, but I do like to jog. I, you know, I jog on the treadmill and and watch TV while I do it, which I know a lot of people don't like that, but I can just methodically just jog on the treadmill for an hour or two hours just by watching something I really enjoy watching. I. I tend to watch American Ninja Warrior. Actually, it's pretty motivating to be fit. Um, but take it easy. Don't go out too hard. And yeah, just just remember to have fun. If you're feeling miserable, then it's really not worth it. I do. A, um, I also would recommend some trail running. I definitely prefer that to just running around the neighborhood or around a track. Um, I really enjoy getting out, getting some scenery. So that brings a lot of enjoyment to the jogging sport for me yeah i think that's great advice you know new runners always want to go set it try to set a pr on every run and it's always like yeah that's not really the best method you're going to mentally and physically burn yourself out so most yeah. of my runs are 
dramatically unimpressive. <laughs> I mean, like if I, if I posted my, like if I put, I don't use Strava or uh, any of those tracking apps, but if I did and posted it to online, people would be like, this is very average. <laughs> like there's nothing <laughs> exciting here going on. You know, I, I do a lot of easy runs that are, you know, I guess the only thing that's somewhat impressive is, you know, the distance, but I mean, most of my runs are 10 miles ish. And then I, you know, I occasionally do a longer one, but so good advice there. And yeah, I, I feel you on the, uh, zoning out on the treadmill. And, uh, I, I actually do some of my work. It's on the treadmill. I don't, I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. So yeah, a lot of people are really against it. So if that's not for you, don't, you know, don't do that. Find something to, to make you enjoy it. Do you cover the time while you run on the treadmill or do you, or do you have it? Like a lot of times I used to put a shirt over the time so I, I couldn't see how long I'd been on there. Do you do something similar or you just ignore it? No, I do. I look at it quite a bit, but generally I find if I'm like, you know, I, I do have a goal in mind. I'm like, all right, I want to run at least six miles today. So I get on the treadmill. But then if I'm like, I hit six miles and there's 15 minutes left in the episode I'm watching, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to finish my 15 minute episode, Let you know, the last 15 minutes and I'll actually do in seven and a half or eight miles. Nice. Good stuff. Now, I know you also have a daughter. Is that correct? Yeah. She's two and a half. Yeah. I mean, that's a handful in, its, of, in itself. So how are you balancing, you know, work, a training for OCR, and then a, a two and a half year old all, all at one time? You have to uh, get creative, I think, and and find ways to incorporate the toddler into the training. <laughs> Otherwise it's, it's too hard to keep them completely separated. Or I do sometimes jog on the treadmill while she's napping. So I try to utilize that time for some of my training or I do have some like obstacles set up in the background in the backyard. So I'll jog around the backyard and practice some of the obstacles, things like that. And um, yesterday I actually took her to a trampoline park where they had a like Ninja Warrior set up. So I was able to play on the Ninja Warrior obstacles and we were able to alternate, like we'd go jump and then I'd go try one of the obstacles and then we'd go jump. So that oh, nice. was a really, yeah, it was a perfect mix, you know, something we could both do together and, you know, something as simple as jumping at the trampoline park, you know, we were there for two hours. So I was pretty worn out afterwards. Um, I, t I took my daughter to one of those a couple of years ago and my calves were so sore after I was like embarrassed. <laughs> it's like, Oh my goodness, my calves. Why? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, you're bouncing the whole time. You're just not used to that motion. Um, so. Yeah. You'd be surprised how much of a workout you can get from things like that. Or, you know, I try to take her for a hike um, or just take her to the park. And then afterwards, you know, I'll go for a short jog after she's kind of worn out and happy to sit in the stroller, sit still. But I do a lot of stuff after she goes to bed, too. So there's have to stay motivated. And um, my husband supports me a lot in my training. So he's always, he's a big part of it. I'm not sure I'd be able to get as much workouts in if he wasn't, you know, corralling the toddler. Yeah, absolutely. Does he come to the races usually or no? He's starting to come to more here now that she's two and a half. Um, basically for the for the last couple of years, it, it's been too hard. You know, it gets hot out there. Or she's whiny or it's, you know, then you hit nap time. And, um, but he, 
has come to a few. So he came to Savage Race two weekends ago, and that was it's always fun to have him there. And he's come come to a couple of Conquer the Gauntlets. Um, so it's getting easier. I'm really excited for her to be old enough to start doing the kids course, and I think I'll be able to to get him out there a lot more. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't think I've met him, or at least if I ha- if I have, I just walked by him and didn't realize who who he was. But yeah, probably we don't generally we don't stick around a whole lot after the race if he comes because you know they've already been standing around for an hour or two and getting hot. Yep. Usually we just kind of head out pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I know the feeling. I, I definitely my wife needs an award for me torturing her by. I keep running. I keep running. I mean, Conquer the Gauntlet used to be good because I used to just run one lap and then I would just kind of hang out and they'd go. It's get like the only run. short course that you do. Right. And now it's, it's like, oh, good. This is long, too. So um, she's been doing all right. Uh, yeah, especially with the newborn. I bet has she been coming out to the last couple of races? She did the um, she did Tulsa and then she did the one before that, which was um, I can't even remember. Wichita. Those are the. She did those two, and she's done. She did Noram with the three races she's been to this year. But up until that point, it was just kind of me by myself for all the races, or me and some friends. So, yeah, it's tough when when they're that that little. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, but she does she does a really good job of handling that whole situation. I mean, it like you said with your husband. I mean, I absolutely couldn't do any of the things I do without her. Right? Like, I think having a supportive uh, relationship or family there is crucial uh if you want to be successful in the sport and race as often as you know you or i do so yeah so how about the you know we've had you know ashley samples i'm from the conquer the gauntlet pro team just had a baby um you know a couple years ago rose wetzel had a baby Uh, a couple years ago also ashley had a different you know her her son Uh, what did you find about you know going from you know fit to pregnant back to fit again what some kind of lessons you could pull from that experience? Man, that's a hard question. I think, you know, people are always comparing themselves to other people and it's, it can be disheartening to watch other moms kind of excel super quickly. I know, um, like Ashley just had a baby and she's already like running two miles at an eight minute pace. I'm like, I just PR'd for two miles at an eight minute pace like a month ago. (laughs) And she just had a baby. This is her first run back. Um, (laughs) So sometimes it can be a little disheartening seeing other people, but you have to realize everybody's going through something different and um, you have to try hard. Like don't compare yourself to anybody else. And I had a lot of um, like pain running after having a baby for probably the first year. And it was really hard to, to go through that, but you just got to push through and kind of take it easy, listen to your body and, and don't expect it to be one size fits all, you know, do what feels right for you and push as hard as you can without hurting yourself. Um, so yeah, my advice, don't compare to others. Just yeah, take that's, it at your own pace. that's, that's sounds like good advice to me. I like it. Now let's talk about your weekly training so what is you know a week in your life look like as far as training goes you know assuming you don't have a race and you're not tapering for anything so I'm actually really bad at training uh I struggle a lot with like finding the motivation so I talk about like running on the treadmill and stuff but that doesn't actually happen that often for me what what keeps me the most like accountable is 
Um, so I play on three soccer teams right now and I, I don't ever make excuses not to go. The only time I don't go is if I'm like, I had the flu or I'm out of town. But other than that, you know, I'm committed on the team and every week we have a set schedule. So I know what time the games are going to be. And, and that's really the easiest way for me to stay motivated. Something that holds me accountable, a team, you know, that needs me there. Otherwise they could end up short on players, things like that. That's been the easiest thing for me. I do also try to get in a run or two during the week if I can, or if I'm motivated enough, really. but I have some obstacles in the backyard. I try to do that a couple times a week. And even if it's like bringing the toddler out and we'll play on the climbing wall, just anything simple like that. Um, I used to go rock climbing a couple times a week for the last couple months. It's been hard because we've had a lot of vacations and we've been traveling and then there was Noram and then I had Savage Race and I would conquer the gauntlet and so it's hard to stay in that regimen, but I do try to go rock climbing a couple times a week as well, which keeps my grip strength up and practicing on obstacles in the backyard. Well, I think all those soccer matches might be making it harder to run on the other days. <laughs> Just from an outsider's perspective, looking in, like if I was playing soccer games three times a week, I feel like I would uh, not be very interested in running between each one. Yeah, I think it's the only reason I like and am in shape to run like I do run a lot at soccer and, and that's yeah. kind of why I I used to play on two teams I was like all right I need to pick up a third team because I'm not running that day of the week and I need to so, yeah I mean that works find something that that works for you you know I use I found you know I'd be less motivated to do my long runs on the weekend so you know moving around a lot I would find a local run group and use that for my long run. So like every Saturday or Sunday is typically when they would run and just meet up with them. And, you know, some of the run groups, like the one I run with in KC, Kansas city now actually sets up aid stations every two miles. So it's nice to, even, even though they, a lot of times they don't really actually run together. They just start at the same time. It's just nice to have like a meeting point and a group of people who it's like, all right, I'm, I have to show up because that's what time we're meeting. And, uh, yeah, you feel more accountable. Yeah, and I don't even talk to anyone. Like, I show up and I say hi to the guy who like runs it, and like I know like one or two other people, and then I just, you know, everyone just kind of runs on their own. But it gives you a place, time, and place to be on Sunday morning when I uh, most of the times I'd rather just sleep in. So yeah, yeah, I like that same kind of thing. The designated start time is it holds you more accountable. I feel like I may know the answer already because you may have hinted at it, but. You know, you obviously you're very good at obstacles. So did you have to work towards that or did that just come naturally or was that a result of some of your climbing background? What's, what's that from? I think it has a lot to do with the rock climbing for sure. I think you see a lot of like rock climbers on American Ninja Warrior or at obstacle races. And for me, again, it, it's about doing what you love. So I love rock climbing. For me, when I go out and do that, I don't feel like I'm training. Like, I'm just out there having fun. I'll go with friends, and it's always a good time. So that's why I try to incorporate as much stuff into my training. And really, I'm just trying to have fun. Like, if I can have fun with it and it's, you know, excelling my OCR career, then, you know, that's a win in my book. I don't want to kill myself being miserable. And even if I was winning races, it wouldn't be as, I don't know, wouldn't be as enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, there's obstacle racing or uh, rock climbing is where I get the obstacle proficiency from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. There's a balance between, uh, you know, torturing yourself and winning and 
where that happiness level lies <laughs> for different people, right? Like, I mean, some people are only happy if they win and some, you know, some people are just out there to have a good time and you gotta, I think everyone has to find their individual balance, you know, and how much time you want to spend and, uh, for training or, you know, the, the one I, I typically like to use for people is like diet. You know, a lot of people are, you know, you can be super restrictive on diet and be super lean, but a lot of people, a lot of those people are absolutely miserable. Um, <laughs> you know, but if you eat like garbage all the time, you're probably also going to be miserable. So you gotta, you gotta choose somewhere in the middle on, uh, you know, what you're eating that's healthy and what you're eating that's uh, high in sugar, high in fat type stuff. So. Yeah, definitely. So I was looking at your results a little bit. You got a, a Savage Race uh, fourth, Cat Spring, Savage Race Blitz fourth, Cat Spring, uh, Savage Race Blitz sixth, and what else we got? Blitz eighth, Savage Race Maryland tenth. So you got a lot coming right so close to that podium on Savage Race Blitz. <laughs> what is the, you know, what's the, what's the magic thing that's going to take you onto the podium? Is it just running speed? Is that the you think what's holding you back? Um, I guess you could take it either way. I could really generally on race day, if it's rainy, I'm like, yes, some girls are going to struggle on those obstacles, but maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. I should really go out there with like, Oh, I need to run faster. <laughs> For me, it always comes down to like, man, I really hope it's a wet course today. <laughs> yeah. No, I, again, I'm like, I don't, I, I trained to, you know, I go out there to have fun and, I don't know, training hard and running to like my max heart rate. Sometimes that's not very much fun. <laughs> gotcha. Right on. Uh, I know that you also did a Green Beret Challenge uh, team event this year. Your team came in first. Uh, one, who was on your team? And tell me a little bit about that event. So it was Adriana Limon, um, Amanda Oliver, and um, Christina. Yep. HP. Yep. Yep. So that was the four of us. And oh, it was miserable. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I'm like, I, you know, we're talking about obstacle proficiency, right? I like rigs and monkey bars and that kind of stuff. So when you're like, oh, yeah, carry this 500 pounds of weight between the four of you, which are all different heights, it's, oh, it was like so hard. I don't think I've ever done anything that like mentally challenging for me the entire time we had to carry something heavy it was like I just want to give up like I don't want to do this I don't think I can do it but thankfully I did have you know a great team and they did motivate me to keep going and it's good thing because I I was not prepared for some of that stuff out there oh man I, I love that that's the best and if you've done the Green Beret Challenges team event um it's basically all heavy carries. It's all carries, drags, and uh, yeah, that's it, basically. Yeah, and there was no like men versus women weight. Nope. So gender neutral. Oh, everything was way too hard for us. You know, our body mass compared to like the first place men's team was was probably like half of theirs. Yeah. And we had to carry all the same heavy stuff. So if if you do their, have you done their individual event, the operator course? No. Okay, so that that one has some rigs in it. Um, the what's interesting about the Greenberry Challenge rigs is they're all like it's not fancy trussing like the platinum rig. It's just essentially it's a wooden frame, and the rig holds are a lot of times are like ropes and other. You know, it's, it has a little more of that rustic feeling. It's kind of interesting. 
But okay. yeah, they, sounds way more up my alley than yeah. the team challenge. Yeah, the the indi- individual event you'll definitely like better. Um, and we were talking about it before the uh, we started recording on the podcast. But I always like to ask people about the Green Beret Challenge event because that's my you know that that's my day job uh, as a special forces officer. You know, the Green Beret Challenge team event is based on special forces assessment and selection. Uh, team week is where he gets all those ideas from. Uh, the weights are scaled, obviously, and the uh, you're not carrying a backpack, which makes it different. But I always like hearing people's opinion on that because they're like, it was awful. And it's like, yeah, pretty <laughs> accurate. So yeah, the girls were already talking about next year, and I'm like, all right, count me out. You need <laughs> to find a different person. Like, that's not me. So I I'd did- like to have experienced once it once and um. Yeah, I'm just in awe by, you know, by people like you that go out there and do that kind of stuff every day. I don't, I couldn't do it. Well, to to be fair, I did it for a week during selection, and then we don't really do that much anymore. I mean, we still carry a backpack uh, for some of the training events, but the actual team week, really crappy part, like you're experiencing, is only for a week, and it's during essentially tryouts uh, into the job. Yeah, well, that's still pretty good to make it a week through that kind of stuff i'm pretty sure they would have broken me down so the the very first green beret challenge i did was back in 2015 um was the day after bfx cincinnati and someone essentially someone had someone's teammate dropped out and they're like hey we need someone to fill in and i was like "Eh, i don't really typically pay for this stuff and someone's like you just have the ticket for free we just we just need someone to fill in i was like i'm in so i show (laughs) up and it's me a guy and two girls and we're doing one of the heavy carries since she was like a stretcher. So you have the uh, metal poles on your back. And a couple of the, the girls I'm with are like, how do I get my shoulders to stop hurting? And I was like, you don't. They just hurt. It's just part of the, <laughs> it's just part of the event. Like, there's no secret solution. Um, I mean, you know, having some trap muscles is helpful uh, because that ha- that's the way it's not sitting on your spine. But other than that, it's just you just kind of accept the pain and keep walking. And you know, the, the quicker you walk and the less times you put it down, the quicker the events over. So. Yeah. That shoulder pain is no joke. It's always like digging into my collarbone or. Mm. Yeah. Not pleasant. Not fun member memories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the parts uh, between the obstacles were okay. Which is just. That run- the day, yeah. That was the day where I liked running. <laughs> <laughs> So you also did a bone frog this year. It came in third. Tell me a little bit about that. That was my first bone frog. Um, that was pretty cool. It was freezing, and I don't really like the cold. So if you would have asked me right after, I probably would have also told you it was miserable. But looking back on it now, and now that I'm a little bit warmer, I can say you know it was a lot of fun. They had some really cool rigs and really unique and creative that I hadn't seen at any other event. So that was, that was cool. And kind of interesting race. I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping to do another one, although I see they have one coming up by me again in, um, I think like December and then they have another one the end of January. So I think I'm going to wait to sign up probably till last minute, depending on what the weather looks like. (laughs) If it's like 30 degrees again, again, I'm out there mostly to have fun, you know, doing well, placing in the top, you know, on the podium is just kind of an added bonus. So I'm not sure. There were too many like water obstacles. They had you crawl through the water a couple times and yeah, it's like 30 degrees outside and I just couldn't warm up after that. My hands felt like I, 
I don't know how I held on to any of those rigs because if you ever try to like hold on to something while your hands are cold, it just is painful. Like, and you don't think your hands are going to be able to do it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see about that. If they had one at a different time of year when it wasn't so cold, then I think I would enjoy it a lot more. And I, this is also Texas cold, so I feel like most of the rest of America <laughs> would not be impressed with the level of cold you're facing. But yeah, yeah, probably not. I just really don't like the cold. That's one of the reasons I was happy to move to Texas. But I will say all that stuff is relative. So if whatever temperature you're used to, the, the delta, the change there is what makes it bad. It's not the actual temperature, at least, you know, my opinion. So. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, that's definitely true. Now, a lot of short course stuff. As we're recording this, basically, a, it was like a week and a half ago. Maybe it was a week ago. I can't even keep track of time. You did Conquer the Gauntlet Tulsa. You did the Elite Race, and then you kept running for Continuum. So with all these short course you know, success, why did you decide to do Continuum? And kind of tell me about that experience. I did do the Spartan Ultra last year, and I've been kind of debating if I was going to do it again this year. It was... Although I, you know, I don't really do the longer distance running. It's not definitely not in my favor. Um, I do like to do it. It's super accomplishing, like a super accomplishing feeling to finish a big race like that. Um, especially going out there last year when I did the ultra doing 30 miles, I had never even run a marathon before. And I went out there and I did something further distance. And it's definitely the most accomplished I have felt maybe other than the first place Savage race, but I wanted to see what I could do out there. I know that, you know, generally I don't have a hard time with obstacles. So I thought just by being obstacle proficient, I could go out there and run two, three, four laps, pretty much no problem. Um, But smooth criminal gave me, gave me a really hard time on the first lap. It was, it was wet. The morning dew was still around and everything was kind of a little bit, like muddy from people you know stepping on it and it took me an hour to get through that lap one and I even debated if I was even going to run a second lap because mentally I was thinking I don't know if I can do that a second time especially that obstacle you know you have to run and jump at it and you you hit your shins or you land on your ankle or you fall off the side of it so it can be pretty you know painful to have to get through there as well but I guess I just signed up because I thought, um, you know, I wouldn't mind going out there and doing all the obstacles a second or a third time. It would it would be a lot of fun to me. And I was hoping I'd be able to pick up some ground on the on the obstacles if people were stuck doing the like the penalty. Um, but I think I spent way too long on Smooth Criminal Lap One, and Randy, she just blew out way past me after that obstacle and she had the lead um, by far too much for me to catch up to her. But it was fun. I think I would do it again. But my plan would still be the same to focus on the elite wave and the continuum laps would just kind of be a added bonus. Awesome. Well, you did do great. You did get three laps, right? Yep. Which puts you in second. And essentially Randy got three laps too, but she was just farther ahead. And that- oh, way further. Yeah, that, that smooth criminal was, uh, yeah. I mean, the last three Conquer the Gauntlets has been game-changing, right? It's rearranged the field. It's just been slick. And uh, Wichita was right after a water obstacle, so it was wet there. This one, it was, it was essentially morning dew. 
It took me about mm, four or five tries to get through. Well, and, that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, well, Bryce and Brent were in the lead, and the two of them got stuck there. And when I got there, they were still there. Um, Brent eventually got through, and Bryce had a family thing, so he was like, "All right, I'm just gonna give it my belt because I got I got stuff to do. I can't be I can't be sticking around here all day." Um, but I ended up getting through with no shoes on, and you know, if you if you know the rules and read the rules, you have to carry everything with you. So I took my shoes off tied them around my shoulder, essentially around my, uh, you know, across my chest. And I went across with my socks on and, uh, gave me a little bit better traction. And, and it also dried out slightly like the, um, you know, the final transition is a bowling pin hold to the far bar. And the first couple of times I went, I just couldn't hold on to that bowling pin. It was just completely slick. And then, uh, the sun started coming out through the trees and it, it dried off enough for me to, to make the transition. So yeah, I've, I feel you. And I, after the first lap, I was like, Oh, this could get ugly. You know, I, I, I might get stuck there every lap and you know, that that's less fun. <laughs> but, yeah. So yeah. did you get it first try every lap after that? I did. Yeah. It was dry yeah. enough for me and I didn't have to take off yeah. my shoes for the uh, second through fifth laps. So yeah, for my consecutive laps, I got it first try, but still every lap going out, I was like super just anxious coming up to it like oh gosh this again yeah but you know, it did dry out a lot by the end which lane did you use I'm curious I, I used the far right one which I think was I know it wasn't okay. gray it was black or I think it was black yeah I used the far right as well I kept trying when I first got there trying the middle lane and I I swear that bowling pin was slicker because as soon as I went to the right side lane I think it did have slightly more sun on it through the trees I think the bowling pin was easier to hang on to. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that's interesting about multi-lap is I typically find a lane that I like, uh, and this is for every single obstacle, and I, I stick to it once I find one that you know suits me. Yeah, uh, I do the thing like crank it up my first lap. Oh, my gosh, that thing was ridiculously heavy. So second lap, I did not choose that lane. <laughs> and it was still hard, but not as hard. So third lap, I used that same lane. Oh, and I actually waited in line for it. I was like, that's the one I'm doing. I'm <laughs> yeah, I think Crank It Up is the only one I didn't choose the same lane just because it was like uh, there was typically lines there. So I, I basically, any any lane that was almost done because it was taking a long time because the, it was heavy. Um, and it felt like it got heavier every lap. Uh, I think that's just me getting tired but or me choosing yeah. a poor lane. I'm not sure which one it was. But, <laughs> yeah. And anyway, if anyone has not seen... The pics that people have posted from Crank It Up, you should go check out some people who are at Conquer the Gauntlet Tulsa because they're hysterical, myself included, and Randy's. Randy has like, <laughs> Randy has like zero percent body fat, and she has like eight chins in the picture. It it cracks me up. <laughs> I can't, I can't. Oh man, it's just so funny because she, yeah, she's so lean, and she, I don't know how she did it, but yeah, she's got like eight or nine chins in the picture. It's amazing. Yeah, I need to go look for my pictures there because I'm sure they're not fantastic they're terrible I, I guarantee they're terrible <laughs> i'm pretty sure you could photoshop me you know like the, the you ever see the high diver photos where they photoshop them onto toilets <laughs> i feel like you could do that with my pictures and it would work really well so yeah the one with you laying down like yeah. that one would be kind of interesting <laughs> so any plans to do more continuums next year i think so i you know i i had an okay time out there so i, I think i could do it again Right on. 
Well, what else you got coming up for 2019? I have some maybe events on the calendar, and then I have some also definitely. So right now I'm in the middle of a five-week race schedule. So I had Savage Race two weeks ago. Last week was Conquer the Gauntlet. Um, This Saturday I have Tough Mudder. Next Saturday I have a local 5K. And then the weekend after that I have Savage Race Dallas. And then for the Spartan, Dallas Spartan weekend, I'm toying with the idea of either doing the ultra or I was thinking about doing the 12-hour hurricane heat. I've never done a hurricane heat before, so I thought that would be interesting to try something new since I did the ultra last year, you know, push myself kind of to a a new level, um, try something different. So I'm toying with that idea. And then I think there's a bone frog towards the end of the year that I might sign up for. I'm not sure yet. And I think that's it for the end of 2019, unless something crazy pops up that I hadn't heard of. Right on. Now, I mentioned it a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, but you do have a very interesting job. And um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So I work at Lockheed Martin. I work on the F-35 program. So that's the kind of newer fighter jet. And it's it's been a lot of fun. I was super excited when I first got the job there. My grandfather worked for Lockheed Martin for 40 years. Damn. So, that was always like my end goal. Like, all right, at some point I want to work at Lockheed Martin. And it just was turned out pretty lucky that I, I got it, you know, as my first job out of college. And when I first started working on the program, I was working with kind of keeping track of all the parts that go, go on the different aircraft. So I would actually go down t- and I was able to like walk on top of the aircraft and, you know, get my head inside the weapon bay doors and look at parts in there to make sure, you know, things were installed correctly. And, and that was a lot of fun. Um, today I'm doing a little more kind of finance work. So managing some of the budget for, for my team. So that's been pretty eye opening to see, um, how things work from that side of it. So kind of interested to see where, where I go next, what, what team I'm going to join or what, what kind of work I'll, I'll go into from here. Well, I think that's super cool. I'm a super big nerd and I'm also military nerd. Right. So I, I love hearing, uh, hearing stuff like that. I just finished the book, uh, skunk works uh, a couple months ago and I was just, it was just so awesome. And if people aren't tracking skunk works, essentially is was Lockheed developments, you know, experimental program where they develop some of the coolest aircraft that have, the world has ever seen, frankly. And, you know, we're leaps like literally generations ahead of their time. Um, so that's, I think it's pretty awesome that you're working on a program like that. And, uh, F-35 is a, again, super cool plane. Um, I'm trying to think of what movies it's in. Uh, Die Hard, uh, Live Free, not a, one of the Die Hard movies, Bruce Willis like jumps on the back of an F-35. Um, and he's like riding it around and I think he like attacks the pilot or something crazy. So, um, you know, any other F-35 movies, the F-35s in off the top of your head? I don't. Okay. The only one I can think of is is a uh, not a good day to die hard. I don't know. It was one of the it was one of the one of those fourth one. It was whatever the fourth one is. I can't remember the name of the, the actual name, but yeah, um, pretty cool plane, right? VTOL, right? It takes off. You can take off vertically. Yeah, so that's been the pretty groundbreaking 
capability for a fighter jet like that. Yeah, it can take off or land completely vertical, kind of like a helicopter. So it yeah. makes it a lot easier for them to land on, you know, things that aren't runways. Right. That's that, important. That's pretty cool. So anyone, anyone needs a good book recommendation, Skunk Works, highly recommend that. Um, very good book. Yeah, talks about a lot of that one has to do with the development of the F-117 uh, Nighthawk, right? So the uh, first, arguably the first stealth aircraft, as you could say, the SR-71, whatever. The first, I would say the popular stealth aircraft. We'll go with that. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Quick shout out to family, friends, sponsors, et cetera. Any, anyone else you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, definitely. Shout out to my daughter. Her name is Emberly and my husband, Brian. They support me in everything I do. And my grandparents, Joyce and Alspina, they raised me as, as an athlete. So I think I, I wouldn't be here today without them. And uh, th- that's my top list. Cool. Well, we're going we're gonna to let everyone go. If you're, if, we were talking a little bit earlier about cold hands. If anyone needs bleg mitts, they are selling fast on the teamstrengthspeed.com website. So make sure you pick those up. I think I will sell out before World's Toughest Mudder. So if anyone's waiting until <clears throat> the last minute to buy those, you probably shouldn't because you'll end up running out. And then on top of that, all of my books are now available, except for Strength and Speed's Guide to Elite Obstacle Course Racing, are available both in hard copy and digital. So if you go to the Team Strength Speed website and click on the knowledge and then the books tab you'll find links to all of that so whether you want a hard copy or a digital copy uh, both of those are available and uh yeah i think that's about it other than that i just uh, delivered so my other book ultra ocr man which uh, is 100 for a prop for i'm sorry for profit it's 100 for charity it's the complete opposite of 100 for profit um all the profit from that book goes to folds of honor so on the way down to CTG Tulsa, I stopped by Folds of Honor headquarters, which gives scholarship money to children whose parents were killed or wounded in action, and delivered a $500 check to them, which was cool. Also, because I've raised a lot of money for them in the past through all my ultra OCR stuff, so it was nice to actually meet some of the people behind the scenes. Um, so, yeah, you can check that out, too. And uh, I think that's about it. Miranda, thanks for coming on. Good talking to you. Yeah, hopefully I'll run into you again in 2019. If not, I'll see you 2020. Yeah, sounds good. All right, I'll catch you later. <laughs>